Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 194, Arya in a Game of Thrones 2. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And are you ready for the second Arya episode? Don't do it. I'm going to do it every time. My suffering begins. Now my watch begins. Uh, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for Arya 2. It's another really, I don't know, the first few Game of Thrones chapters are nice. They introduce you to the character and the world. And, yeah. And we'll talk it a bit, but it's been a bit since we've been back with Arya. If you read these books in the way that they were written and compiled <laughs> and published, like from, you know, 1 to 2 to 3, 4, not like 1, 5, 7, 18. I don't understand. What are you? I don't. I don't think I can like abs- at all conceive of what you're saying. My roommate's no podcast, you know, reads the <laughs> books from very one through. Sometimes they pair episodes up. They get crafty, but I do forget sometimes, like what what the order is. I'll be like, wait, what episode are you doing next time? What comes next in this book? This podcast has me messed up. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I feel that way about it in a couple different ways. <laughs> uh well we'll we'll come back to some of those ways i'm sure today if not next week and every week following that until we finally end our Are suffering <laughs> uh little housekeeping up top patreon episode this month for our patrons in the stranger tier and above that's five bucks and up at patreon.com slash girls gone canon where you get a bonus episode every month in that tier and Last month was what? Forsaken? Was that last month? Oh my god, Forsaken. Yeah, it feels so long ago, right? Yeah, deep below, deep below. Well, this month is coming. It's still coming. It's going to be... Actually, it's going to be kind of fun. It's going to be road trips. We're going to talk about road Road trips. Our own road trips. Other road trips. Stories. Shows. Characters from A Song of Ice and Fire who go on some road trips like Arya. As people have argued in our Discord. Catelyn, to an extent. Mm-hmm. A lot of other characters, Tyrion. Quentin. Yeah. True. Quentin, I guess part of it is a road trip, part of it, sea trip. Quentin know? goes on a road trip with his BFFs looking for, like, some glory, some fun, a summer away from home. Instead, instead, he goes on a final destination. It actually is that, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the final destination movies, my understanding as someone who doesn't watch scary movies... <laughs> Is that they do start as, like, road trip kind of films, right? Actually, yeah. And then you have, you know, camping in the woods, another kind of, often. But yeah, the one final destination thing that sticks with me, and perhaps, mayhaps, we'll speak about this in the episode on Patreon, is when, I don't know which one it is, but the pole comes through the car and, like, impales someone. There's, like, a pole coming off someone's truck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's horrible. That's horror, man. That's, I can't do that shit. You know me. I'm I'm frail. I'm a babby. Yeah, we're soft. We're very soft. (laughs) Very sweet fire signs. That's Mm. why we do these books, right? (laughs) Soft. Very Uh, soft. Soft core. That's why, you know, we we do things. I don't know. I can watch, like, a lot of, like, gory, I guess, suspenseful stuff, just not horror. Mm, I can read. I can read horror. I can't watch it as well. I, I can read, I can do it, I guess, as comics and stuff, but... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Much to yeah. ponder. I don't know. Much to ponder about what's wrong with us. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> uh, well, they... you can uh, get a little more info on what's wrong with us if you join our Discord, <laughs> which is available for patrons in the 
Thunder tier and above. It's ten dollars and up. Where uh, there's fun channels where people discuss things, but also uh, once a month we do brunch slash happy hour where you get to yeah see what's wrong with us for two hours <laughs> live. You can say that again. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you absolutely can come hang out <laughs> yeah, for brunch can. with us over on Discord or chat and all those channels. This month's brunch slash happy hour is going to be popping off. Actually, if you're listening to this live on public release, the day it releases in 2023. Sorry, historians. Uh, it's happening like this weekend, July 22nd, Saturday. Tomorrow. 2023 so tomorrow if you're listening to this on the friday it came out if not no worries 3 to 5 p.m et that's eliana ish time uh we we hang out we sometimes play some discord games if the mood strikes you know we haven't or done some... that in a while i know yeah. my computer was kind of suffering too that was part of that but i think oh, okay. uh i think it could happen for that's us fair. i think it could happen yeah we just hang out and the discord itself is a blast people are fun we there's Aswath, there's other stuff popping off, you know. I finally got my switch so I can talk about Tears of the Kingdom just a wee bit. Yeah. Um, a wee bit. A wee should, bit. Should we combine brunch slash happier hour and start calling it like Bruppy Hour? Brappy. Brap. Brappy. Ooh. Brap. Brap brap. Yeah. Mm. mm. I like These where this thoughts. is going. These are proposals that I've put on uh, for this week for everyone. We can discuss tomorrow. You know, that's why they and... pay her the big bucks. That's yeah. That's why. He's, I'm an ideas person. <laughs> all right. That's all we got. We got some emails rolling in on Aria. Get ready. You're going to get them. But yeah. right now we're just we... getting into it. You know, we're just, just touching the surface here on Arya Stark. Actually, really are. There's so many Arya chapters. We've gotten some a lot of really good thoughts already, both like in our emails, in the Discord, and like on on Twitter as well. Uh, oh, thought you can also send thoughts on Blue Sky, friends. Oh my God, good call because we are on Blue Sky. That's right. Check it out. Girls <laughs> Gone Canon. Not just one girl or two girl, separate girl. We are one whole Girls Gone Canon account now. That's Girls Gone, C-A-N-O-N, not like the canon that you shoot things out of, right? Mm -hmm. Or that you trebuchet babies out of. The canon, mm -hmm. like, what is canon? You know, what is the truth? What is, mm -hmm. what is the fucking lore? That's us. That's us. Girls Gone Canon. Never forget it. So go follow us on Blue Sky <laughs> if you're on there. Yeah. We, we have that now, this week. Chloe's uh, rolling in invites. Um, did you give one out also? On I did to okay. our friend Zainab. Yeah. Our friend Zainab is joining us on Blue Sky. She has won the lucky new invite code. Anyway, we're on Blue Sky now if you would like to share your thoughts there. And yeah, we've got a lot of good ones. Um, some of them I think would have been fun to bring in today as well, but I'm in the middle of a move. I'm really tired, so... Uh, just like Arya Stark, who is in the middle of a move right now. Yeah, and it's been many chapters since Arya's been able to be on the move, honestly. Gotta yeah. be honest, it's been many chapters. So today for our lightning round, it's Stark only, baby. Sorry, Tyrion. Sorry, Danny. We'll come back to y'all. We'll come back to y'all. Let's start this lightning round off with Bran 2. Bran has a great fall. Poor Humpty Dumpty. I almost, I almost just like... 
blew up laughing reading this first one before Poor you got egg. to it. Humpty Dumpty. Uh, John 2. John says his goodbyes and gives Arya a gift. Uh. Eddard 2. Ned and Robert reminisce on the Targaryens. Keeping up with the Targaryens. Hmm. Catelyn 3. Catelyn protects her child with bone and blood. Sansa 1. Near the Ruby Ford, friendships, sibling relationships are changed forever, traumatically. Also, pet relationships. Things are bad. <laughs> Things are indeed bad. Uh, especially as we get to Eddard 3 and where Arya and Joffrey's stories don't align from the Trident. And when the moment comes, Sansa lies. For duty, for honor, for family. Kinda. Brand 3. <laughs> Bran dreams he can fly, and then he truly wakes. Catelyn 4. Catelyn heads to King's Landing on ship with Sir Roderick and meets up with Littlefinger and Varys to learn some truths. Some. <laughs> some. Uh, Littlefinger and Varys lie for duty, for honor, for family. <laughs> None of these things. Oh my god. <laughs> John 3. At the Night's Watch, John learns that maybe he didn't have it so bad. Just kind of mm -hmm. bad, you know. Medium bad. The medium <laughs> place. Just right. <laughs> Lukewarm beer. <laughs> Eddard for Ned learns they're throwing a party for him, accepting the hand job he definitely doesn't want. Littlefinger brings him to his wife. That sounds promising. Things could go really great for that guy. He's got a new job, even though he didn't want it. You know, I mean, his wife's here. What could go wrong? Anyways, so that brings us to Arya 2. King's Landing stinks. Arya almost loses her sword, but gets to keep it. And she also gets a new teacher and mentor in the process. Yeah. So... The whole family... Not the whole family, sorry. Part of the family has... Just moved for dad's new job. He got placed somewhere else and uh, they paid for his moving expenses. In King's Landing, things are tense. Arya's father has been fighting with the council and he's once more late to dinner. The first course was a thick soup of pumpkin. Oh my god, I'm salivating. Oh my god. And was already gone when he got home from the job. Jory greets him and the guard all stand as well, wearing... New gray wool cloaks with white satin borders, the king's silver hand adorning it. He's glad that they started without him, though, and they bring out the platter of ribs with garlic and herbs. It's crusted in it. And Jory brings up the gossip. They hear that there is to be a tourney with knights all over the realm to celebrate his appointment as Hand of the King. Arya can tell that Ned's unhappy, and Sansa's like, Oh my god, Dad, please, can we go to the tourney? And he's like, You know how I feel about my daughters watching folly, watching fake sports. Septimordain speaks up, though, and is like, Princess Marcella will be there, and the ladies of the court are expected. It would look bad if his family didn't attend, she says. So Ned will arrange them a place, but Arya doesn't want to go. Sansa's like, Good. <laughs> Ned's pissed. He's like, oh, you guys are sisters. Remember, you're expected to behave like sisters. And everybody's really upset. Borderline tears, angry fighting. After that, no one talks anymore. They just eat angrily and quietly. It really stands out to me that Arya hates the idea of going to the tourney because specifically she does not want to be around Joffrey because she hates him. 
for pretty good reasons, considering what happened on the road down here. But mostly, I feel like it stands out because, in theory, Attorney seems like exactly the sort of thing that Arya would enjoy, considering that in the previous chapter, she went down to the yard just to watch people fight, and that's pretty much what the tourney is. Yeah, there's a couple interesting things going on there, right? Because it's almost like she's punishing herself for what happened in a way, not letting herself enjoy things. But also, I think a lot of her worldview just changed, right? Because we don't really get to see all of that, but just like Sansa kind of loses some of her faith and view and getting to watch kind of those things with knights, I think Arya does too, right? Like her view just changed too, that knights and men-at-arms are bad, the people of King's Landing that support the Lannisters and should be knights or should be good men are not like the people of Winterfell that are knights and good men. Well, no knights, but you know what I mean. Yeah, they're not knights. Also, the Hound's not a knight. But um, Well, he's no true knight, but I think he is. So, I mean, yeah, he is. Arya does not right now, <laughs> but she's she's allowed. Um, people change yeah. Arya-ish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point for her. It's now just like kind of lost its luster. She doesn't really want to go there and I mean she doesn't want anything to do with the royal family. They kind of really blew up her spot. And by that I mean having a dog. Cramp her And they did that for her yeah, they did that for her sister too. They really ruined having a dog for the whole family. And yeah, I think um I think Arya would really like hockey. (laughs) Oh, she'd be great at hockey. I could see, I mean, not only is it very, it it can be violent, Mm -hmm. uh, you wield a stick, kind of like maybe a sword, but on the ground of ice. It's funny you say that because a while back, a bunch of us were talking about like wanting to do a sports ball cosplay, but Game of Thrones. (laughs) And we we talked about doing stark hockey costumes. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be fun. Fun as hell. I think I think that makes sense. Yeah. They would play hockey. It would be a pastime on Actually the they pond. really would play hockey. Yeah. yeah. yeah they'd love it. I, I think we even talked about it before with that um what's her name? Emmy Rossum in that uh one Disney Channel original movie long, long ago, remember with the with the atoms that are split. I forgot Anyways, about that movie, but yes. We it's... talked we talked about it in his dark materials. <laughs> Uh, so I'm more of a smart house kind of girl, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, as you were. <laughs> Their father leaves early and Sansa and Jane gossip while the men also gossip. But we have no one talked to Arya. She didn't care. She liked it that way. She would have eaten her meals alone in her bedchamber if they let her. Sometimes they did when father had to dine with the king or some lord or the envoys from this place or that place. The rest of the time they ate in his solar, just him and her and Sansa. That was when Arya missed her brothers most. She wanted to tease Bran and play with baby Rickon and have Rob smile at her. She wanted Jon to muss up her hair and call her little sister and finish her sentences with her. But all of them were gone. She had no one left but Sansa, and Sansa wouldn't even talk to her unless Father made her. Ah, things are so rough for them. That is a lot of this chapter is that relationship being so fractured, and Arya's first chapter is so unique in that it gives you a huge sense of who we see Arya as, right? Like, she's Mm. the rapscallion younger sister in Winterfell. She is! She's like a little (laughs) dormouse. She's running around, she's getting into trouble, she's 
you know, uh, and it's all in a positive, happy way in that first chapter. And in the second chapter, she's doing a lot of the same things, like running from the people that teach her and that she's supposed to obey and respect, like Tom or Septimordain, but it's all in a negative, horrible, life is now bad way. So we'll come back to that. But, you know, she's one of the boys in the family. She loves her brothers. She likes to tumble about and uh, fuck around and find out and play with swords and you know, that that gives you such a great view of her as this free spirit. And setting her second chapter, first of all, so many chapters after her first, so many chapters after the Trident incident, you know, read the Trident, so many chapters after the main plot has really already started to take hold, right? We're, we're a few chapters in for other characters, so things are starting to move. All the action and the drama is really starting to heat up. And it's kind of a great way to reveal more of the heart of Arya's chapters, right? To show how much she's grown in that time that we've missed her chapters, where she's moved on location, keeping her out of the way with what's actually going on in the road. And it just makes her like a really effective chapter here to feel that sorrow, that loneliness, right? She's lonely, sad, young, naive. The only friend she had at all on the way is killed because of the prince, she has to throw rocks at her dog and make it run away because of the queen. She's alone, and she's not even really allowed to grieve her friend. No one's told her what's appropriate. She has to, like, just guess at how to be appropriate in this city that she can't stand. Yeah, I, I think that's a great breakdown of what's going on. And again, like, the moving part of it as a child, right? Is she... She has no way to make new friends. Like, she has no friends here, right? And everyone that came along with them... They're, they feel like strangers to her all of a sudden, which I think is kind of something that we see throughout the series, right? The people that you're supposed to be close to, suddenly they become strangers to you. And I think the way that it happens in Arya's story, uh, it, it's really interesting because it comes at a point of her learning who she is. Even at the front of the chapter, we see a little bit of that with those new trappings of power that the Winterfell guard is wearing, right? That satin, yeah. gray and white cloak and how... You know, they look so different than they did back at home and how everything has changed. These people have changed now that they're wearing that cloak. Yeah, that's true. Attorney they're... in their honor. What is that? It's funny, yeah, because now it feels like they're different people to her, which is kind of funny, you know, when they, because they have, what, different cloaks and banners and you think of it in the context of running into Harwin later. Yes, that it. I was thinking that. Yeah. 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 Um, you got that good I'm happy brain. happy for them in their new clothes, though. Got such a good brain. You keep it up, Eliana. <laughs> you also have a good brain. Eliana gives that good brain. Let's huh. okay, okay. That's that's a hmm. lot. That's a lot. Hmm. No, but hmm. I think that's super important when you think of Harwin and why. Like those chapters are so. Uh, I, I think they're really gripping chapters. They're good chapters and they're sad chapters. They're yeah. sorrowful chapters, and I love that. There's a lot of they sorrow are. building here. Grieving yeah. for like the childhood you lost and the people you lost at the same time. Yeah, she's not at that stage yet, you know? It's I too she... early. It's too soon. I kind of wonder if, because it doesn't really make sense for her to grieve it in that same way, right? Like, based mm -hmm. on how old she is in the storyline, Sans five year gap. Yeah. But it would have made, it, it's one of those things that I would think would have made a little more sense with it. There's going to be some sad fucking chapters in those last eight books he writes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, anyway, we're not there yet, right? At Winterfell, Arya remembered the lessons her father told Rob to always dine with your men, to not let them die for strangers, similar stuff to John's chapters, right? To let them know you, great or small. Arya had loved to listen to people talk at these dinners and listen to the men at the benches as well. Their free riders, knights, squires, old men in arms. And their wives would give her scones and she would play games with their children. Honestly, I would listen to people if they gave me free scones too. Mm -hmm. Fat Tom would call her... Arya underfoot because she was always underfoot. But that was Winterfell. And now in King's Landing, they'd all betrayed her. <laughs> betrayal. <laughs> they let betrayal. <laughs> they let the queen kill Lady. They let the hound kill Micah. Jane said he had been cut up into so many pieces he was returned in a bag to the butcher. No one had raised a voice, a blade, or anything. Not even her father. Not to ruin the mood, but also then you said Jane said, and I had to start singing Jane said in my head. I'm like, Jane, Jane said. Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. I actually don't know the rest of the lyrics other than Jane said. Oh, I know that song by heart. Jane said. Tom was so GM. Treats me like a rectal. Um, This is the saddest. This is. Sorry for the musical interlude, everyone. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. It's a song of ice and fire. Maybe. <laughs> He was my friend, Arya whispered into her plate, so low that no one could hear. Her ribs sat there untouched, grown cold now, a thin film of grease congealing beneath them on the plate. I'll eat them. Arya looked at them and felt ill. She pushed away from the table. Ooh, that reminds me of the the meat in A Feast for Crows a little. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah or even the, the prophecy that Bran gets, right? Like... Mm. Your dinner was less delicious, but you liked it more. Blech. Or wait, no, your dinner was more delicious, but you liked it less. Yes, there, there that's we go. What it was. There we go. That was what it was. Yeah, so there's a lot of sad things going on in this one little passage. I'm going to start with the saddest part. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad that you're going to do that. <laughs> Thanks for breaking it down this way. I really appreciate the way that you're yeah. rationing your sadness. The saddest part is that the ribs sounded fucking delicious and she Jesus. didn't eat them. Yeah, that is really That's sad. That's the saddest. Honestly, they sounded so good. Kids in Flea Bottom are dying. They were crusted in garlic. Mm. And herbs. Uh, anyway, she should have just eaten them. So, uh, you know what? Uh, for other obvious reasons, right? For obvious reasons, this whole Micah incident, it's a defining moment in Arya's life. Because... She's right. No one had done anything to stop Micah's murder. No one sought justice for him or his father. But, I mean, he was a person to her. He was a real person to her. Everyone else, not a real person. Everyone else, succession. NRPI. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, yeah, no real person involved. That's how they feel. There's a lot of ideas wrapped up in this about injustice and class that... Arya doesn't fully understand and that her chapters do explore and that we've also discussed in other chapters such as Theon's especially around like the Miller's boys and the abuse that Jane Poole suffers ironically as as Arya but I, I it's also a moment that I think puts Arya on the path to feeling that you know if she wants to seek justice or or vengeance whatever but if she wants someone to raise a blade raise their voice or anything it has to be her Right. For whom the bell tolls, tolls for Arya Stark. And so she learns to do so, and you you kind of get a sense, as you said earlier, about the grief, right? Like how 
Ned's kind of lost in his own like stress about the new job and his own unaddressed grief being with this person who reminds him of all of this trauma, aka Robert, because uh, he hasn't wrestled with anything, you know. He will literally join attorney that he'll lose before he goes to therapy. And, uh... <laughs> Are men okay? <laughs> <you know. laughs> Robert is definitely not okay. Uh, Ned's also not okay. But he's uh, even... Dead. They're both even more not... Yeah, I was like, they're both even more not okay being dead. Anyways, um... Rip. Yeah, but they're just, like, so lost in their unaddressed grief. And, and Ned is... And because of that like no one really cares until later this chapter that Arya is also grieving mm-hmm. none of these people are fucking there for her right and you know septa mordain would rather she do her courtesies instead of being like wow you know what a good teacher would do a good teacher would see her student and be like wow i'm really sad that your friend was murdered yeah that's that's a great point that there's and this is the only conversation anyone has with her about this with her and ned and it's a good conversation but it's interesting because there's so much going on in A Game of Thrones for this family mm-hmm. that at this point, I mean, Ned's and also more investigating. Happens for them. Yeah, more happens. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. But <laughs> but no, I, I'm serious when I say, yeah. how could he have even realized for a moment, like, oh, I guess no one would have talked to her about how her friend was murdered, and that kind of sucked, <laughs> and she's also a kid kid. Like, she's not like a grown-up. And we'll come back to this in just a few minutes, but, you know, this is Bran and Rob and John have seen men die. Arya and Sansa have not, right? So we'll talk about some of that death soon. Septim Ordain tries to stop. Septim Ordain tries to stop Arya from fleeing the room, but after feigning politeness, Arya bolts for the door. Fat Tom tries to stop her, but she's faster and smaller. She reaches the door, she puts the crossbar on it, The thing she liked best about it was the door, a massive slab of dark oak with black iron bands. When she slammed that door and dropped the heavy crossbar, nobody could get into her room. Not Septim or Dane or Fat Tom or Sansa or Jory or the Hound. Nobody. Little bit of foreshadowing, I think, for later, right, when it comes to uh, the escape from King's Landing. It makes me think of Sansa in her room, trapped in her room. Uh, Of course, Mm -hmm. Arya's already fleed at that point. And also it stood out that the only thing she really likes about King's Landing are these great doors on her room, which are uh, oak and iron. Serve me well. Ah, ah. Yeah, it's it's her shield, right? Yeah. In the world. And it's a giant thought, shield. Yeah, it is. The The doors st- do stand out, though, considering that, you know, there are some pretty iconic doors later on in Arya's storyline. Yeah, I've got all uh, eyes on those doors. I'm like, oh, it might not be Weirwood and, uh, and such, but could be. Never know. It could be weird, but keep your eyes open. I could. Well, she hides in her room, feeling safe, finally. This is her safe space for now. And Fat Tom knocks on the door, asking what's wrong. She shouts uh, that, no, no one's here. And he's like, hmm, sounds true. Wanting to return. (laughs) (laughs) She wants to return to her den of misery, all alone, where she can sob. And once Fat Tom leaves her alone, she goes to her chest, opens it with both hands, and digs until she finds Needle, tossing all the velvet and satin on the ground. This reminds me so much of how her and Sansa both put their prized possessions at the very bottom of their summer chest. Uh, Sansa's, mm-hmm. of course, in the veil when she has Sandor's bloody cloak and she brings it out sometimes. And then, of course, little Miss Arya with her sword, which she later will hide again right in the rocks. Mm-hmm. There's also something like they're hiding their protections in their chests 
And there's almost some wordplay of hiding something close to them in their chest, right? When you think about it, like something close to your heart. And it reminds yeah. me of Bran's vision in Bran 3 that you mentioned earlier, where he looked south and saw the great blue-green rush of the trident. He saw his father pleading with the king, his face etched with grief. He saw Sansa crying herself to sleep at night and Arya watching in silence, holding her secrets hard in her heart. Uh, which I love is just an overview of them. And it goes on, of course, to see the face of the hound and someone armored like the sun, which he can't figure that one out for a while because, you know, trauma. But then being thrown from a window. But yeah, that's just being sad to think. thrown from a window. It's nothing. It's like, you know, I do nothing. that uh, as a lark. Hoops Muxus, yeah, has not. Uh, I mean, Hoops Didative hasn't sprained their ankle recently. You know, jumping from something. Come on. Yeah. And by jumping, I mean falling down something. <laughs> I was like... Wait a second. Anyways. What is Chloe talking uh, about? But yeah, I like that this vision kind of reminds you, even though it's brand three, it makes you think of like where where they are emotionally, where Arya and Sansa are as we come here to talk about some of this. Some of this being broken apart and sad. Arya has no one to talk to and is holding all her secrets in her heart. And Sansa is putting on her lady face and then crying about lady's face in private. I know. Yeah, it's horrible. You're welcome. Also love yeah. that Arya's like, I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom's like, hmm. Again, sounds true. Yeah. Uh, I can't I I can't decide did Tom believe it because she says like he's easy to fool, right? Or was he just being respectful? I think he's just being kind because he likes Arya a lot. I think that's the better answer probably. Yeah. That's how I feel like now looking back on it. I'm like, "Oh, everyone was... likes Arya." Yeah. He's a real one. Yeah, that's true. He um, was giving her space. He knows it's hard. Yeah. Um, He's like the little girl, the poor little girl. Very true about Sansa, and I'll come back to that in a second. Because Arya, she's thinking of Micah and how she had asked him to come along and how it was her fault. She wants to leave to get away from all of them. And I just I just feel so sad that Arya mm -hmm. blames herself for Micah dying. Like, it's really not her fault. It's Joffrey's and... Sorry, Chloe. It's also Sandor's and... <laughs> sorry, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. The Hound? The Hound? Um, They're two different people. <laughs> okay. Uh, honestly, I'm gonna be real. I don't remember how much of it. Obviously, like Cersei was mad, but if she asked for, if she had asked for Micah to be punished or not. Um, but that was that was a while ago. So uh, that's my bad for not remembering everyone. Um, and to be honest, it really is very shitty of of Sansa and Jane to act like it is Arya's fault. I understand that Sansa's grieving and in pain too, but it is pretty shitty. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's cruel. They're being cruel to her. But yeah. it's uh, it's also interesting. I don't know, there's something interesting going on of, like, Sansa publicly having to, like, you know, agree, oh, haha, it was Arya's fault, and take the side of the Lannisters. I mean, the Baratheons. <laughs> there's something interesting, and, like, I don't think it was Cersei necessarily that asked for Micah to be punished. I don't think it's kind of revealed. I think it's just that we learned that he died and it was likely, you know, directed. But I kind of am curious, was it Joffrey? Because the boy had shamed him and embarrassed him. And Joffrey is, and Sandor are, you know, duo. 
I could see it being Joffrey, right? Like I, I could see it being Joffrey. Like we know that Cersei asked for a lady's head, and again, this is my bad for not reviewing this, but um, I just don't really remember Cersei asking for Micah's body or like Micah to be punished. Um. But but in retrospect, it is possible that she could do it in order to get back at Arya, seeing how Cersei goes after Alayaya, right? It wouldn't surprise me, yeah. Yeah, to hurt Tyrion. But something else that's kind of like, and it's not directly said who does it, but the bigger point of the moment when Sandor comes in is that, like, I think is that we don't know because that's just how they deal with things around there. That's just how they quiet things. That's just normal. It's a normal day that they kill a peasant boy to quiet shit up. Um, So I I think that's kind of somewhat of, like, the bigger message to take home is, that's just how they do work here in the capital now. This regime. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. Yeah, it's for them. Again, no real person involved. Yeah, absolutely. Goddamn Roy's have done it again. <laughs> Actually, Roy's royalty. Absolutely. Septimordain is the next visitor to bang on Arya's door, and Arya's like, go away. And finally, her father comes to the door, and he tells her to open the door. He sounds more sad than angry. That makes her feel even worse. And he comes in... He sees the sword and he's like, oh, whose is that? She reluctantly gives it to him and he immediately knows that it's Micken's work. It's a Bravo's blade. Yeah, so there's an interesting line here that when Ned points out, you know, that it's Micken's work, we have Arya could not lie to him. She lowered her eyes. So I kind of wonder now who will be the other people in the future that Arya finds herself unable to lie to? And then also that she refuses to say John gave it to her when he asks, how did you get this? Because, and it's like, she would not betray John. And so I think we have some foreshadowing of something. I don't know what yet going on here. Not necessarily like an event, but maybe the loyalty that the family will end up showing to each other. Yeah, I like what you've said here about the loyalty of the family, because I do think that part of lying and part of her as she loses that stark identity through the next few books and she erases who she is. Mm-hmm. She embraces that lying, right? And not being able to lie to her family is interesting. And maybe there are some hard truths she'll have to tell someone like John. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Ned realizes that he's absolutely clueless about everything going on in his own house. Yup. That, that's true, Ned. Thanks. I just wanted to make sure that commentary was heard as I said it out loud to myself. <laughs> yep. Uh, his own daughter has been armed by his forge. He can't rule the Seven Kingdoms or his household, he thinks. Arya refuses to tell him where she got it. She doesn't want to betray Jon, as mentioned, and he relents and says, This is no toy. What would Septimordain say? Arya's like, I don't fucking care. I hate Septimordain, dude. And Ned's like, that's enough of hating people in this household, even if they suck in their Septimordain. And he's like, I should break this sword. And she's like, well, Needle wouldn't break. So nice try, Dad. <gasps> oh, just like her family, her bonds to her family would never break. Never. I get it. <laughs> <sighs> so it, there's this funny line here also, meant to be defiant, right? But her voice betrayed her words when she says uh. Needle wouldn't break. And and again, you have that language of, of betrayal in here. So just stands out to me. Or the lack of betrayal, things like that. Uh, There's like a certain yeah, faith know, there, like a certain like a faith in like needle and what it stands for and her familial bond and John, like like a, a kid when they're like, well, Santa's real, like before they don't know. Yeah, I also think 
I do, I mean, how strong is Ned? I actually don't think he could break it, but uh, maybe, you know, Ned's very swole, you know, that's that's um, what he uses to pull Catelyn's hair. I bet I he has great thighs. I bet he has really good thighs, like some He picks her muscled, up, throws her around. Muscle yeah. dad thighs. I bet he has some great yeah. ripped dad thighs. Some yeah. Some hamstrings, maybe. Ooh. I bet he has some calves. Man's got calves. Oh, definitely. Yeah. De- I, he definitely does. He fought a war. You know, some hair on that chest. Mm. Ned could get it. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I think so, I lost myself. There. <laughs> we got lost. Woo! We've been getting a lost this lost a lot this episode. Um, Septimore Dane. Also, I just want to come back to how rude she was at the door. She was like, "You will regret this insolence, Arya." And I'm like, "Yo, chill. Please be nice to the little girl. Please God. be nice, please." It's not fair. It's not fair. We've got a classic passage. It has a name, does it? Ah, Arya, you have a wildness in you, child. The wolf blood, my father used to call it. Liana had a touch of it, and my brother Brandon. More than a touch. It brought them both to an early grave. Arya heard sadness in his voice. He did not often speak of his father or the brother and sister who had died before she was born. Liana might have carried a sword if my lord father had allowed it. You remind me of her sometimes. You even look like her. Liana was beautiful, Arya said startled. Everybody said so. It was not a thing that was ever said of Arya. She was beautiful and willful and dead before her time. Wow, classic. Wow, we finally hit one of the classics organically. It's kind of crazy. We've quoted it 8 million times, I'm sure, by now in the last 193 episodes, so... Amazing. I don't think we're going to stop quoting it, but no, yeah. No, probably not. Probably not, but... Well, it'll come back somewhere. And, yeah, I'm definitely not the first one to say this. I've definitely read theories about this, but rereading it, the Arya chapters like this really kind of, and and with all this time between the books, really uh, helps me buy into more the idea of, you know, regarding some of the stuff from last chapter of, you know, they'll find you, your body in the snow, clutching needle. I am now starting to think that Arya Stark might die not the person whose povs were getting but the Arya stark might die in the way that the elder brother on the quiet isle says that the hound is dead you know mm. that kind of kill your past that kind yeah yeah starting over and i don't know why she would do it like may might be even be something she chooses so like her claim can't be used against either of her siblings claims the way that Jane was used, or maybe she even does it to protect Jane, who knows, which would be kind of interesting considering Jane's pretty mean to Arya, but also I kind of get it in regards to, like, Jane's jealous of, like, the class and all the the privilege Mm -hmm. and stuff. That's what she wanted until she gets it, you know, monkey's paw shit. And especially, like, after after maybe Arya sees how people might try to use Jon's claim against, like, Daenerys... Or even against Sansa, or maybe how Rickon's claim might be used against other people. Like she might be like, I don't, I don't want myself to be used like that. If there's one thing that I think the bad show did okay was like that Arya wasn't worried about that stuff, about ruling, about taking Winterfell, or you know, there was no yeah. like power grab for Arya. It was that she came home from brutal war to more brutal war, and she was traumatized and had to leave it all. And I feel like that's actually. I think that actually would be something I'd be interested to see, her killing her past identity. Especially, I mean, 
who knows, maybe her past identity will be killed too, because maybe when she defects, they'll quote-unquote kill someone that has her face. Who knows? Exactly. And, yeah, I don't think I see it as a, you know, what's west of Westeros, or whatever. Which, I I mean, maybe that's what she does, who knows, but I just hated the way that they executed it, and I think it could work (laughs) in a way that was better done in the books. Best seven minutes (laughs) of the show ever. What are you talking about, in my opinion? It's just the lines were stupid, okay? I'm done. You just need the last seven minutes of that entire show. It's perfect. That's enough. I think if you watch season one, season two, and then the last seven minutes of the last episode of Game of Thrones in season eight, it's a perfect show. It's a perfect show. Uh, In fact, you don't even need to watch the 10th episode of season two. You can just cut it at Blackwater and then cut that last 10 minutes, you know? You're good. Honestly, apparently I need to rewatch Blackwater, uh, as we've all discovered in Discord. Again, finding out how what's wrong with me and Chloe. Oh, nothing's wrong with me, nor Arya Stark. We're perfect beings. So <clears throat> Ned asks Arya what she hopes to do with her sword. He's like, what do you plan to do? Hurt your sister? Septimore Dane? Do you even know the first thing about fighting? And she's like, Yes, stick them with the pointy end. And he snorts back laughter, saying, okay, yeah, true. Good move. Good move. True. So I remember way back in the day, you did an episode with Game of Owns and discussed this concept of magic words with them. And it felt kind of like Valor Morgulis operates kind of like magic words in the way that Open Sesame does, right? And I kind of wonder if stick them with the pointy end will be this sort of magic words thing for Arya and John one day. Yeah, I love that. That was um that was in an Arya episode for Feast. It was either one or two, yeah. I wanna say. And you can check that out. The episode is yeah, it's two. It's a uh, Grey Mist from Game of Owns. And I like what you've said here about that because with all that lost identity and life after death stuff going on we don't know, right? Like how John will come back or Arya will come back and how they'll kind of perceive one another, right? What if he's mm-hmm. like, who the fuck are you? You're not my fucking seven-year-old sister. Uh, and, and there's he's also- like, my sister's right here. Jester's <laughs> at Jane Poole. Jane Poole, all of us. Who doesn't look anything like her. <laughs> Mathematics meme. All the math numbers rolling across my face. It also kind of reminds me of Cat and Liza's secret language, right? Their secret code. Yeah. It's almost like a secret code. And coming back to kind of what you said about Arya telling perhaps some truths or perhaps not being able to lie to certain people, I think it could fall in line with that, too. Yeah, it's one of, like, those tropey things, but I like the idea of it. You know, the words, it rings a bell, and then he's like, oh my god, I know those words. (laughs) And uh, it's so cheesy, and I I like the idea of it. And I do, this stood out to me when you said it again when that's like what did you hope to do with this sword because at the end of the day right it is a weapon i mean it's not like you know mm-hmm. sure you can use it just for exercise they do in in some martial arts trainings and stuff but at the same time he's like this is this is a real weapon what were you gonna do with this and the kids not just Arya, but joffrey rob all of them not realizing same as in the last chapter like these are <laughs> these can actually hurt people these are for war well, just stay tuned in the next two to three books, Ned, and we will- Oh, wait, you don't. Yeah, but it's a good thing she has it. You would be really happy that she had it, probably. <laughs> Maybe not with what she does with it, but you'd be happy that she was alive. I also really appreciate that the first rule of sword is like, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. 
You know what I mean? Like, that's literally <laughs> what they're saying every time. They're like, well, <laughs> use the pointy end or something. <laughs> yeah. It is You'll Shoot Your Eye Out, Kid, a classic. A classic. Uh, <laughs> uh, last a, week, you tuned in for movie. the Brady Brunch. Today. Yeah. <laughs> we got other classic movies coming up in a sec. Arya wants to explain, to make him see, but she's consumed with grief, and all she can say is, it's my fault that Micah was dead, and it comes tumbling out like word-fucking-vomit words do. And he immediately holds her, and he tells her, grieve for your friend, but never blame yourself. And then he says, the hound murdered Micah on the Queen's orders. So that's what Ned thinks happened, by the way. Doesn't mean that's true. It might be, it might not be. You know, again. I mean, the kid basically cucked her kids, so what are you going to do? Yeah. Socially. <laughs> and, and like, that sort of punishment makes sense within that system. Mm-hmm. When you come back to, you know, the way Foucault had discussed previously, the way that, that the justice, the way it was interpreted, was breaking the law is hurting the king's body, right? Like, it's seen as an extension of the king, and Joffrey, of course, as a prince is within that. And if you literally hurt the prince, I guess the punishment is something like death or something like that. Yeah. I mean, what? Brandon, now that I think about it, coming all the way back, Brandon and got executed just for threatening to fight the prince yeah. at the time. And that's the other thing is, like, he stood up for her, and also that's the end of the lie, right? Like, Joffrey's like, yeah, it was all their fault. They did it. It wasn't me being a shithead, so he's taking that lie all the way to Micah's grave by, you know, resting on that lie. Like, he really shouldn't have died, quite obviously, but also that Micah was standing up for Arya in that moment, something no one has done for months while they've been here. That was the only person willing to be her friend, and they just killed him and took that away from her. And it speaks to the injustice, too, because even if Joffrey didn't stick to that lie, would it have mattered? I think Robert would have thought it mattered because Robert was biased against his own child. <laughs> rightfully or not rightfully so. He, he, didn't, he didn't express that bias against him in positive ways. But True, bestie. You know, like, Brandon wasn't wrong to come all the way out to King's Landing and be like, Hey, where the fuck is the prince? I'm going to fight him. He kidnapped my sister. He got executed for it, but he wasn't wrong to do that. So it doesn't matter if you were righteous in standing up or not, or if the person was lying or not. Like, deck stacked. Yep. That's just the way it falls under their little, cute little feudalism they have going on. <laughs> cute little feudalism. Real cute, real small. Uh, so small. S-M-O-L. Uh, it, this scene with Ned and Arya, though, is really... It is so touching, right? And it's part of why... You feel for dad. It's so, it's so sad. And it's beautiful that Ned gives Arya the space finally to grieve, let out all of her feelings, be this just poor little girl. And I also wonder if it's because it's something that Ned has had to tell himself in the past about grief and, and blame. Go right? away. Like it, Get away from I'm me. Wondering, yeah, I mean, I'm serious. Like, what if he had told himself in the past, like, oh, it's my fault, right? Uh, I'm sure he fucking has, Eliana. I'm sure he does it every other day, every moment of every day. Really, thank you. Pretty much. Pick yeah, an hour. I mean, he does. Wolf, He's like, owl. it's my fault that Liana ran away at the tourney, or it's my fault because I didn't get to the tur- Tower of Joy earlier, right? Or it's my fault that, I don't know, whatever. Thanks, I hate it. I fucking hate it. Thanks. Thanks. <sighs> you know what else is hated? You. Uh, yes, Arya hates me. 
But she also hates Sandor and Cersei and Sansa and Joffrey. Oh, and Sansa too. <laughs> uh, because she lied so Joffrey would like her. Yeah, Ned reminds her everyone lies, Arya. Even you, who said Nymeria ran off. Arya says, Jory promised not to tell. And Ned's <laughs> like, okay, well he didn't. There are some things I don't need to hear to know. I obviously know. She tells him they had to throw rocks to get her to leave, and that she had to tell her to be free, and that Arya didn't want her anymore. To play with the other wolves, Jory had said the woods would have game for her to hunt, so that's where they freed her. Maybe that's what she tells her family, right? To protect them. She's like, I don't want to be part of this family anymore. But she's just trying to protect them or something. I don't know. No, there's something to that in, um, in like, the idea of Nymeria having to flee and get a newfound family, right? And then that Nymeria can stay undercover for so long and also, like, survive and become the leader of the pack, even, and come back, like, ready to rock and roll with that wolf pack. Like, there's something there. Which also there is something there, because, again, Georgia said, you don't hang a wolf pack on the wall. He didn't mean that wall. He was talking about Chekhov's gun and that saying. There's something uh, It was there. very misleading. Yeah. It's going to come back one day. It, theoretically. Um, caveats. I, I appreciate Ned's... We know he's disappointed in Sansa for lying. But that he understands why she had to do it. And I think it is testament in this moment to his parenting of Arya that he doesn't throw Sansa under the bus here to Arya and defends her to an extent. He's trying to keep the family together and reminds Arya that everyone lies. And you know what? Arya's about to become a very good liar. All right, so... Maybe everyone lies, but also no one lies. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and I'm, again, like, we're, we're unsure. Did Cersei ask for Micah to die or not? But I think it makes sense that Ned in his mind blames her because he can't stand, he himself can't bring himself to blame Robert yet. Also, he his relationship with Sansa is fractured then by Sansa's grief for her wolf. We've talked about it in the Sansa chapters, but it does really suck, right? Like, he knows, like, he can't comfort Sansa in her grief because he knows that Sansa blames him, whether that's right or not. And unfortunately, that does leave her vulnerable. That isolation leaves her vulnerable to being taken advantage of, manipulated by people, and uh, groomers. <laughs> Many of them. Pick Many. one. Pick fucking one. It's a bummer because it's actually also fractured so much that Ned doesn't have this conversation with Sansa. He says, well, yeah. Septimore Dane had it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. You I don't think Septimordain did. You do not have to hand it to her, is what I'm saying. <laughs> we are a Septimordain hate podcast. <laughs> Seems cruel. It's Septimordain anti-podcast. I know she dies, but I don't care. I mean, I still feel bad about that, and she's still a person. I know, actually, I just I think that she's a little... She, she's not, but yeah. She's a little old-fashioned, and her values that are very traditional and old-school do not maybe protect the girls as much as everybody that believes in that system would think that they do. So that's my official right. take. That said, that fuck that bitch. Take. Fuck that bitch. That is, that is a good balance take, what you said, but also fuck that I bitch. don't have to be rational. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a podcast. I, you guys don't listen to me to be rational. If you want to listen to rational listen fuckers. Hot takes. Like, yeah, hot, spicy, sexy takes from gorgeous, gorgeous girls. It's us. About Ned's thighs. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Arya asks if she did the right thing, because otherwise, Cersei would have killed her. And Ned agrees. It was right. He tells her even the lie was, 
not without honor. What does it mean? Whoa. It hurts my feelings, though, right? Like, this entire chapter and that echo of Liana's ghost is hurtful. It's all hurtful. Yeah. Liana's stuck in her own rock and hard place, like Sansa, right? Between her betrothed, the crown prince, and then, like, the raging crowned rebel king, right? And she can't really, I mean, like, the crown prince shows her, and then the crowned rebel king. And these little ironies that trap them in this society, right? That That's where Sansa is. And then Arya's also trapped that she wanted to be kind to her friend who stood up for her, and now nobody will let her even speak or think about it or express it. This is kind of Arya's version of, you know, when he took the boys beyond the wall to watch the dude get killed. Mm. That's this kind of talk. That's this grown-up talk. A very different talk to have. And kind of like we referenced earlier, it's interesting to think, like, he doesn't teach his daughters what it means to see a man die. Because he shouldn't have to, he thinks. He thinks it's protecting them. But in a way, then, the first man they have to see die, which, not true, not the first man, but... The first man they see in spectacle beheaded for the crown is him. Yeah, for them, it, it's so different than with the boys because they're not exposed to it in that way. Arya's first experiences with death are so close to her, right? Like mm-hmm. her friend, her only friend. And then, her as you said, her dad. <laughs> her mom. So, oh yeah, her mom. And then her brother later. Her. Uh... her... I mean, before that, there's the kid that she kills, but whatever, you know, whatever. There's more death, too, yeah, but you know what we mean. Nope. Lots of death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots and lots of death. Aw, good for Song her. Song of Ice and <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, Arya has her own lies throughout the story, not without honor, and not just in this book. As she goes on, there are more lies that she tells to, you know, to help people in the end. But throwing rocks at your dog and sacrificing that part of your friendship with your dog... That's something Liana would have done, too, if it meant saving her. And Arya even has that moment at the front of the chapter where she's mad at her dad and she thinks he didn't even stand up and tell them no. They just killed Lady. Like, there's at least that that she can understand what Sansa is suffering and going through, right? Like, they can find that common ground of that hurt, that pain that they both have experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that you called out here the sacrifice of it, right? Because it is a sacrifice, what Arya does. She sacrifices that friendship in order to save someone else's life. And by someone else, I mean her her wolf, right? Mm-hmm. Because she can only do so much about Micah and did not know the world was like this. But yeah, that that's a sacrifice that benefits someone else, though it hurts her. I guess it kind of hurts her wolf too, but whatever. Yeah. In the long run, Nymeria becomes big and mean and strong for Super it. Super big, yeah, and she rules all the wolves. And they're going to come back in the story one day, maybe. Witch queen, witch queen. Oh, true, true, true. Which queen about the wolf? Which go which? Woof, woof. Woof, woof. Uh, woof. Ned embraces Arya and sets Needle down, and they sit in the window seat with Needle. He tells her to, you know, hop here so I could explain some shit about life to you, kid. And once more, we get a great Ned talk. Possibly the last paternal Ned advice. Talk. Oh my god, no. a Ned talk. Yes, no. yes. I don't no. mean half the brilliant things I say. I should have I should have realized. Good for me. Uh, and yeah, we get a Ned talk. The last of the Ned talks. And here it goes. You are too young to be burdened with all my cares. But you are also a Stark of Winterfell. You know our words. Winter is coming. The hard, cruel times. We tasted them on the Trident, Child, and when Bran fell. You were born in the long summer, sweet one. 
you've never known anything else. But now the winter is truly coming. Remember the sigil of our house, Arya? The direwolf, she said, thinking of Nymeria. She hugged her knees against her chest, suddenly afraid. Let me tell you something about wolves, child. When the snows fall and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Summer is the time for squabbles. In winter, we must protect one another, keep each other warm, share our strengths. So if you must hate Arya, hate those who would truly do us harm. Septa Mordain is a good woman, though a drunk. No, he didn't say that. And Sansa. <laughs> Sansa is your sister. You may be as different as the sun and the moon, but the same blood flows through both your hearts. You need her, as she needs you. And I need both of you, God's help me. Oh, but why do you have to go? Why do you have to go so why? soon, Dad? Dad, no! Why? Dad, no! This Dad, is horrible. No. I have to be sad all over about this fucker. This is bullshit. Yeah, it is. Especially because we got, we got the good quotes. You know, we got the iconic <sighs> moments. Why do men uh, take up so much emotional space? It's rude, Ned. Work on that. Uh. Yeah, you were like, the Sutter Mordain thing. I was like, is she a good woman? Nah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think you made a good case for her earlier. I mean, good's not who you are, it's what you do. Okay, well, that didn't help. <laughs> I was like, Chloe, that does not help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, mm. So I strongly, strongly think that the point of the story as it goes on, or like, not of the story, all, not all of it, but of these arcs with Sansa and Arya and and how it's being played up here, uh, their their tension between them is about the two sisters eventually finding strength in each other. Oh. And I, I can't, I don't know, there are people who think that like when they come back together, they're going to hate each other. And they might squabble, right? But I do strongly think like this is built up because it's much more impactful in the end when they unite and they're able to find and again share their different strengths as Ned told them to and complement each other and support each other. That's it. That's all. Yeah, the sword and the shield as you've kind of talked about, you know, like they support one another. Yeah. They're I both think dancing that's fair. in different ways. I yeah. I have to say that 9 years ago a song of ice and fire and misogyny is still alive today, just like it was 9 <laughs> years ago and I was Googling oh some old theories and just reading and doing some light ASWAF browsing. And, like, the first comment on somebody's, like, post about this chapter somewhere on Reddit was, like, the first comment. Wow, I really hate Sansa. I wish I could just kill her. I'm like, oh, oh, all right. She's 12. Cool. Cool. She's 12. Like, why would you? Yeah, why would you do that when there's a Septimordain is right now? Septimordain is right. It's also fucked up. Yeah, I know it is. Uh, Sandra Clegane's right there. (gasps) (gasps) Shots fired, shots fired. Oh my god, I'm quitting this podcast. I'm so sick of it here. I'm so Uh, sick of it. uh, You know who else is tired? Ned. He sounds it. Uh, Oh god. Yeah, Chloe, mom, dad, everybody. yeah, Ned's tired. Ned, made... Ned is tired. He's uh, tired as a motherfucker, Eliana. You're not wrong. He did fuck their mom. That's so true. Oh, Jesus. Um, it made Arya sad how how tired he sounds. And Arya admits that she doesn't hate Sansa, not really. And he tells them that they are in a dangerous place at home. They could play these summer games, but here, 
time to start growing up, and she vows to be as strong as Rob. And he hands her needle, telling her sh she can keep it. Uh, how, so, how exciting, how exciting. <laughs> besides, besides, if he denied her this sword, he'd find a morning star hidden under her pillow within a fortnight. And also he makes her promise to not stab her sister. This is a small little cute call-out, but... Uh, Daisy wields a morning star, right? Daisy Mormont oh, wields one, so makes it, it's cute. I know it's not a hundred percent connected, but it just makes me smile that really the next morning star we we see that's significant is Daisy's. Yeah, I do like that. I oh, Daisy, <laughs> rip, rip. Uh, also, For real. I want to point out because I feel like there's an opportunity here to point it out that Aliana really loves. Whenever the girls say they want to be as strong as Rob, it always makes <laughs> her so rip. sad. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But she really, maybe you killed your twin in the womb. We don't know. I, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> Eliana loves siblings and their love of Rob. Disgust. I do. It's so, I don't know. He gives them so much strength. It's so beautiful. But rip to him, same as rip to Daisy. Uh, I don't know. I think Daisy and Rob, Daisy Rob Shipper here. She, she, Daisy was a Daisy Rob shipper. So oh, yeah. Why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the next morning, Arya asks Septimordain to forgive her for her behavior, and her father nods approvingly. At midday, three days later, Beyond Poole summons Arya to the small hall, where the benches and tables were pushed out against the walls, and the bald man with a bravosi accent steps forward from the shadows, holding two wooden swords and telling her that she will begin her training. He tosses her the sword, and she misses. And he says, you know what, tomorrow you're going to catch it. And he corrects her stance. And she complains that the sword is too heavy for her, but he says that it's as heavy as it needs to be so that she can become stronger and to hold it with one hand. I love that she, of course, is left-handed. And I, I love this little line. This line's great. She held the sword in her left hand. He seemed to approve. The left is good. All is reversed. It will make your enemies more awkward. So, as you may know... If you've listened to this podcast before, I'm left-handed, and I will say I was bullied by teachers. Like, I had a substitute teacher. Really? And a regular teacher. Yeah. Yeah. So in weird. first and second grade, I want to say, or maybe it was second and third, that told me, A, the way I hold a pencil is wrong, which it, like, is different just because I have hand issues, but uh, B, not only that, but then B told me that writing with my left hand was incorrect. Why? Mm -hmm. That's messed up. That's some Septimordain shit. That had to be like 99, 2000. So like that was as recent. That shit was as recent as then. Okay. Uh, so very interesting. Very meaningful to me that Sirius like, huh. He looks at it and, and I'm sure George actually thought that when he wrote this. Because that was a thing. Like left-handed people were like, holy yeah. shit, cement galosh those witches. You know what I mean? Like throw them down the river. Robs, especially in George's time. Exactly. So I'm like, I really felt that when he was like, instead of for a moment he looks and instead of saying that's wrong, he goes, "Good, all will be reversed. Your enemy won't expect it." Yeah, I kind of wonder. Do you think she's going to learn to also fight with her right hand and then switch and then be like, "Ha ha ha," right? Kind of like in yeah, not to not to that. spoil this, but Ted Lasso. Uh, I have not seen it. I have not seen it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cute. Cute. But th there's something fun there, too, also with, you know, the, the darkness imagery surrounding Arya and this idea of sinister, right? I thought you were saying of, like, this idea of her being a lefty. I was like, yeah, it is sinister. You're right. Well, because sinister in Latin, right? That's that's what left was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not right. 
oh, that was confusing when I said that. Um, that is what <laughs> left was. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Sinister. And I'm sure many of you know this, the trivia of Maisie learning to use her left hand in order to play Arya. I respect that. I'm so glad she kept that. Yeah. Yeah. Sirio tells her to make the steel part of her arm, that it won't fall then. He says he was first sword to the Sea Lord of Bravos for nine years, and says, you too are a sword. In fact, that's all you are. They begin the dance, not the dance of Westeros, which is hacking and hammering, what knights do, but the dance of Bravos, the water dance, swift, sudden. He tells her men are made of water. When you pierce them, the water leaks out and they die. Part of it is the dance is fluid, right? And, yes. And the water dance feels very inspired by Bruce Lee. And actually a lot of, I think, Arya's training sequences, looking back on it, seem inspired by martial arts movies training in general, right? Doing these unrelated tasks in order to learn that muscle memory and get that sort of physical training. And, you know, anyway, back to Bruce Lee, the, the famous quote, Horses be like water, making its way through cracks. Do not be assertive, but adjust to the object, and you shall find a way around or through it. If nothing within you stays rigid, outward things will disclose themselves. Empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. If you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. If you put water into a bottle, and it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now, water can flow, or it can crash. Be water, my friend. End. That's that's Arya and Sirio Farrell's story here, and I love that the water flowing or crashing from Bruce Lee can, you know, water can disappear, it can be malleable, it can also hurt, but also that, you know, be formless, shapeless, like water. Formless? Shapeless? Faceless? Ah, I love that. I love what you pulled out here because it's kind of like, you know, the way of the dragon, or, you know, like... Yeah. Game of Death, oh, or like Fist oh, wait, of Fury, or Enter the, <laughs> enter the Dragon, dragon <laughs> Dance uh, of the Dragons, uh, or one of his very early ones, The Kid, you know, when he was oh, okay. an actual yeah. kid. Um, no, I'm sorry, I was just being sassy, but I actually really do like he that also, comparison. I do. Also I think, thighs uh, really, also great thighs, just like Ned. Yeah, I do think thighs <laughs> is the thematic part of the episode we were supposed to pay attention to, so... <laughs> Yeah. No, I like that you compared it to this, especially because uh, uh, he pulls out the dance of Westeros, right? In the next chapter for Arya, we start to open up a possible conspiratorial dance happening in Westeros, if you will, if you will, if you won't. Uh, <laughs> and a dance, of course, being seen as the way that we describe some of these fights and battles, like a dance or a dance of the dragons, even, that is to come. But I love that, of course, it's more staccato, right? The hacking he calls it, of Westeros, the hacking. It's a very staccato sound. It's a very not fluid thing, so that you've compared it here to this quote and to the fluidity of water, which I will say I have heard this quote with the words replaced with cats, but with cats instead, because they are also oh. fluid like this. So do what you will with that in your brain. I thought you were going to say that you had heard it um, referenced through Cowboy Bebop. No, no, but I well, do know that. it also does that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. No, no, uh, you know, like empty your mind, be formless, shapeless like cats. If you put cats in a cup, it becomes the cup. You put cats in that. a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put cats in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now cats can flow or they can crash. Be cats. Be cats. That is friend. true about cats. And that actually, you know, cats are the canals, perhaps. Ah, ah see, we I'm not it. wrong. We did it. I'm not wrong. Thank it. God you brought me home like that. 
Oh man, Eliana wasn't going to leave me out in the cold. I'll bring you home anytime. Aww, yeah, yeah, you will. So, to end this chapter, Arya tries for four hours oh, to strike Sirio until her body's be sore young. and aching. And then, of course, the great line, the next day the real work begins, implying that was nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. Training montage music starts in the background, I'll make a man out of you from Mulan, which actually is very applicable to this very specific situation in several different ways, to Arya's story in several different ways. Yeah, I do agree. I do agree. Sorry, I started jamming now. Now it's in my yeah, head. Thank yeah. you. To defeat the Lannisters. Sirius says the dark side of the moon. Mm. It's different as the sun and the moon. Mm-hmm. Masquerading yeah. as as a man, yeah, boy, Ari, Eliana, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure to have you here this evening. Thank you oh, for thank you. coming to our podcast with me. <laughs> Thanks, it was fun. I enjoyed Glad talking about Arya. The plot's thickening. You know, next week we're going to get into it. We've got some very Similerio drama happening in the background. Yeah. Lots of stuff to chat about as a Game of Thrones goes on and shit gets crazier. All those bastards and oh my, all the death. Yeah, that that is also true of all of the rest of Arya's story. My god, bastards and death. We'll explore more of those bastards and death, but uh, before we give you a word from our, our sponsors to take us out, to lead us out, <laughs> country road, take us home... Uh, Eliana, where can the good people of the internet now find us to tell us things? Yeah, well, last week we told you about our individual blue skies, but forget all that. Forget everyone. We have an official Girls Gone Canon blue sky now. All right, it's Girls Gone Canon, C-A-N-O-N, which is also where you can find us on Twitter, Girls Gone Canon. And then again, if you have any thoughts, you can share it on any of those, or you can also send them to us via email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Yeah, recipes, cats, dogs, birds, we're very open. Whatever you want to send us, come on through. Yeah, we'll see you over there on the internet. And of course, uh, our patrons are going to tell you where to find us, where to listen to us, and what's up on Patreon. So play us out, friends and patrons. You can catch Girls Gone Canon on any of the following streamers. On Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Amazon Podcasts. You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And... By joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shitposting channel, Fashion Hour. There are multiple channels for historic materials, A Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful Thirsting, because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun, and you won't regret it. As always, I've been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. Thinking about those ribs still that she didn't eat. Oh, oh it wasn't just the ribs, right? Like, there's also, I forgot about it, and thankfully your notes had it, that there was also the thick soup of pumpkin. That sounded mm, super good, too. A thick pumpkin soup. Sometimes <sighs> I make, like, some of the pumpkin stew stuff and, like, or any of the soups in... Zelda, and then I'm hungry.
I want that pumpkin soup and those ribs. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.